Let me ask you a question. What makes a good podcast? Is it the audio quality? The stories? Is it the host's personality? There's a lot that goes into making a great show. And if you're a Feed the Cue listener, we know you enjoy podcasts, but have you thought about making your own? So Feed the Cue is a show that we make with Ventures FM. They're a podcast production company for independent and branded podcasts, and we've had such an amazing experience with them. Adela and I have absolutely loved working with Ventures FM. They make the process so seamless for us, and all we have to do is record, and like magic, they turn it into this amazing show that you're listening to right now. They turned our tiny little dream of this show into a beautiful reality. So check them out on their website at ventures.fm. And now let's get into today's episode. Hi, I'm Adela Mizrachi, founder of Podcast Brunch Club, which is like book club, but for podcasts. And I'm Lauren Vassell, founder of Tink Media, a podcast marketing company, and I'm the editor of Podcast the Newsletter and Podcast Marketing Magic. And you're listening to Feed the Q, where at random times, we will feed your Q with an episode of a dazzling show that we love, but don't think enough people are listening to. Okay, Adela, you ready? Let's get into it. Hey, it's Lauren again. I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts. It's actually a game show called Meddling Adults, where Mike Schubert and guests compete to solve children's mysteries from Encyclopedia Brown, Scooby-Doo, and more. For charity. I can remember reading these stories or watching them as a kid, and I couldn't solve them then. I can't solve them now. But it's all about the journey, not the destination, right? And these episodes put funny people to the test to see if they can solve the case or laugh themselves off the stage trying. The winning contestant chooses the charity, and the prize pool is made up of the proceeds from the show's Patreon account. You should feel free to play along at home, but again, don't hate yourself if you can't figure out that Mr. Voltner has faked his own death and then came back as a ghost. That shit is hard. Enjoy The Case of the Smoking Bread with Adrian Frimpong and Adrian Pellerin. I've never walked in my kitchen with the lights out and be like, you know what? Before I check the circuit breaker, I need to make a sandwich. Welcome, fellow sleuths, to Meddling Adults, a game show where we grab our quarters and go head-to-head to test our wits against the prowess of fictional young detectives for charity. I'm your host, Mike Schuber. I'm notoriously bad at solving children's mysteries, which is why I am safely behind the judges' table, letting others duke it out instead. Our contestants this week are two of my friends that I did improv with for years in college and beyond that have technically the same name, but not technically the same name because they spell them differently. It's Adrian Pellerin and Adrian Frimpong. Adrian and Adrian, how is it going? Hello. Howdy, bro. Now, you, <laughs> normally when I do this, especially especially, <laughs> I try to do something where people can say their name and then the listener at home will be like, oh, right, that's Adrian talking. Uh, but let's go with last names for now. Adrian Pellerin, do you yes. want to introduce yourself so that the listener can know which Adrian you sound like? Absolutely. I'm Adrian Pellerin. For the purpose of the podcast, call me Pels. There we go. 
And then Frimmy, how about you? I was going to say, I'm Adrian Frimpong, but for the purpose of podcast, call me Frimmy. Beautiful. Great. Podcast purposes are set. Now, we are here in the studio together. The energy is vibing. The room is hot, both in energy and three people in a room in New York City in July. (laughs) And I'm wearing my Shubes shirt today. Oh, look at you. It does look great. It got all dressed up. I just, I associate a short sleeve button down with Shubes. Me too. I'm going to give you a bonus point for clothing pandering. And you already I'm already winning. <laughs> now here's how the game is going to work. I have four mysteries from the esteemed children's novel series Encyclopedia Brown ready for recap that I will be sharing with you all. And then you will have your guesses at the end to determine who you think did it, how they did it, etc. You will be awarded points if you are correct. There's bonus points, though, if you have particularly wacky guesses or anything like wearing a shirt intentionally for the recording. Bonus points can be whatever we want them to be because it's a fun world that we live in and any sort of little smile that comes to my face is much appreciated. I said before we started recording that I'm going for an all-time high score. (laughs) Aiming for 200 points today. Perfect. A perfect 200. The first eight-hour episode of Meddling Adults because we do too many bits. I would. I would. (laughs) So, before we get into the mysteries, though, we are playing for charity. So, what charity for me are you playing for today? Hearts and Bones Pet Rescue based out of Texas. Okay. That is awesome. Love that. Love to help out some pets, especially Texan pets. What about you? I'm playing for New Alternatives, which is an amazing organization that supports LGBTQ plus homeless youth in New York City. Great. Well, anyone listening at home, if you want to learn more about these organizations, we'll put links to them in the episode description of this podcast. Now, finally, before we get into the Encyclopedia Brown stuff, do either of you two have histories with mystery series? Were you big Scooby-Doo people, Nancy Drew, friends, anything like that? I was... This is Frimmy speaking. <laughs> it's all good. They, they should know by now. Okay, hopefully. Okay, we're all uh, best friends now. Yeah. I was definitely into a little bit of Nancy Drew. More, I'm a more of a Hardy Boys and Encyclopedia Brown. Loves Encyclopedia Brown. Well, that's good. That would prime you for this episode. Is Goosebumps a mystery? No. Not so much so, but it did have some sort of what's going on yeah, element okay. to it. Okay. But it was usually more of, oh, the camera turns you into a skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> Say cheese and die. <laughs> mm. I was always too scared to get into the mystery book. <laughs> scared oh, no. about the unknown things. I don't know what it was. I mean, I read The Magic Treehouse, huge fan, but I don't think that was a mystery. Boxcar Kids, was that a mystery? Yes, it was. Okay. It certainly was. And I'll have to try to do some Boxcar Kids episodes for this, but it's a little harder when it is full books worth yeah. of stuff as opposed to the Encyclopedia Brown ones where there's 10 per book. And if there's one that doesn't work for whatever reason, it's fine. Because some of the Encyclopedia Brown ones are funny where... Some are just painfully easy, and then others, you just need to know things. Like one that didn't make the cut for this episode was involving a carousel, and you had to know that in America, carousels go counterclockwise, and in England, they go clockwise. And Encyclopedia Brown, a 10-year-old kid, just knew that. Wow. <laughs> I also knew that. Did and you in, actually? And in Australia, they actually they go upside down. Yes, oh, they yeah. go up. What'd you say? They go upside down. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> it's uh, on the other side That's of the right. planet. <laughs> The it's, polarity of the Southern Hemisphere. It's just like uh, toilet flushing. It's just <laughs> mm-hmm, like a toilet. Mm-hmm. So now that that has all been cleared out, we can get into our first mystery, which is called The Case of the Peace Offering. So Bugs Meany, who is the town bully, he has invited Encyclopedia Brown and his junior partner, Sally Kimball, to his house to give them an electric drill as a peace offering. He told them to meet him at noon in his garage. 
Now, I don't know if you're up on the lore, but Bugs Meanie is always trying to pull scams, and Encyclopedia Brown constantly thwarting him. Is that his real name, Bugs? I think it is. Encyclopedia Brown's real name is Leroy, but Bugs Meanie's name, at least we haven't heard of any other name. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a choice. And then his friends all have intense names, too. Like, his best friend is named Spike. Spike and Bugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're not the protagonists. <laughs> they certainly are not. With a last name like Meanie, he has to be nice. So Encyclopedia Brown and Sally arrive, and the garage door is open, but Bugs is not there. Sally doesn't like it. Initially, right off the bat, she just thinks Bugs is trying to pull one of his tricks, like he does in literally every book in the series multiple times. Encyclopedia gives Bugs the benefit of the doubt, though, because he's a kind soul, and he says maybe Bugs really wants to be friends. But Sally then sees a drill in a wheelbarrow and picks it up. And then once she does, Bugs comes in from the kitchen door and whistles. And he whistles to draw the attention of Mr. McCann, who is Bugs's neighbor. He sees Sally holding the drill and Bugs accuses Encyclopedia Brown and Sally of being tool thieves. Because apparently... Lots of tools have been stolen from garages in Idaville, Florida, the fictional town in which Encyclopedia Brown takes place. I mean, he just left his garage door open. What does he expect? Yeah. It's his fault. It's on his property. <laughs> okay. Now we're getting to property law. Okay. Let's <laughs> just say. You can't just walk into people's welded doors open. I guess if I left the door open, it's like shopping, but nothing costs money. I mean, legally, you're probably right. Yeah, you're probably right there. But okay. close your garage door. Those are Florida laws. I Well, see, I'm from Texas, so that's. I guess I got to visit Florida more. Was it the more Southern hospitality of leave the front door open, we're not worried about it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just a trusting folk that is Texan. Yeah. <laughs> so, Come on down. Yeah. So Bugs says that robbers always target houses with garages left open. I don't know if that's necessarily targeting or just like smart thievery. Yeah. Just, oh, I don't have to break into this one. Yeah. <laughs> Which house do we break into? The one with the garage open or the one with the, the security fence? <laughs> now, Bugs tells Mr. McCann that he had a power failure two hours ago, so he couldn't close his garage door. And then Bugs says, quote, caught like rats in a trap. This is the happiest day of my life, except for the day I was born. Which, notoriously, babies come out crying, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> also impressive that he remembered that. I, right? Good memory. Yeah. He's a very So he's got a good memory. Boy. That's going to play into this somehow. Mm, could be. So Mr. McCann says that he's going to call Encyclopedia Brown and Sally's parents. But Encyclopedia Brown goes over to the circuit breaker and he opens it to see which is switched on and which are switched off. Number six is off. And EB asks Bugs, what does that control? And Bugs says that it controls the garage and the kitchen. Bugs says if there is a problem, the switch turns the line off. Encyclopedia Brown says, but you can manually turn the switches off, too. So it doesn't necessarily mean that something had to have popped. Classic circuit breaker logic there. <laughs> it is. And I was recently looking at a circuit breaker when I was in famous place for circuit breakers, Texas. Say it. Yeah. A lot of circuit breakers in Texas. Yeah. I was looking at because uh, we were trying to restore power to our garage. Yeah, little known thing about Texas circuit breakers, they work upside down. You, <laughs> if you, you recall. You, when it's off, it's on. <laughs> yes. When it's on. As part of, yes. I yeah. thought it was just that the circuit breakers are twice as big. Yeah. Because twi everything's bigger. Well, yeah, they are definitely, they are twice as big. <laughs> they are twice as big and upside down. And, <laughs> and when things go wrong, they don't automatically switch off, but when things go right, they switch on. <laughs> 
So Encyclopedia Brown says that it's strange the Bugs didn't just close the door manually when the power went out. But Bugs claims he didn't know how to make the electric garage turn into manual mode so that he could pull it down. So Encyclopedia Brown then goes in to check the kitchen because that's where Bugs said he was. And he also is checking because the power was out for the breaker that did the garage and the kitchen. EB flips the switch and the lights come on above the breakfast table. And on the table, he sees a soda can and, quote, according to the narrator, the thickest sandwich Encyclopedia Brown had ever seen. The sandwich has ham, salami, liverwurst, cheese, lettuce, tomato, and it's between two pieces of toasted white bread. It does sound very tasty. I'm taking notes and I'm drawing the sandwich. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be great for the podcast. <laughs> What's that? Click. It's like a kid's book where it's a girl. Cam Jansen. Cam Jansen. Mm-hmm. That's the other one I was into. <laughs> All right. That's what I just did. I did yeah. Uh, mental. We did one Cam Jansen episode. It was very fun. Yeah. Ah, the photographic memory. It's yes, a fun little bit. Yes, it is. I don't have it. I don't actually. (laughs) (laughs) I said it, but it's... (laughs) Mm -mm. Now, Bugs says that he had just finished making lunch when he heard Encyclopedia Brown and Sally in the garage. So he was making the sandwich. That's why there were no bites out of it. He had just finished the sandwich. He heard people rummaging around in the garage. He left the kitchen. That's his story. Sally says that Bugs has to be framing them, and he's lying to Mr. McCann. But Bugs says that Tigers, which is the name of his neighborhood gang, he says Tigers don't lie. And then Sally challenges him to a fight, and Sally kicks the crap out of him with the final punch. She says, sock a doodle do and then sends him flying. The narrator says, quote, suddenly Bugs was not feeling like himself. He walked around like a squirrel trying to remember where he'd hidden the acorns. <laughs> Wait, did Bugs just get... His ass beat in his own house? Yes. Now, the books do clarify that Sally is the biggest, strongest, and prettiest girl in school. Okay. And she beats him up usually once a book. (laughs) So not out of the ordinary, but yes, to happen in his house, very embarrassing. (laughs) And that was Sock-a-Doodle-Doo? Sock-a-Doodle-Doo. Got it. Mm -hmm. He's right. Got it. (laughs) Okay, also, click, take that. So Bugs then falls on his back after stumbling around a bit and Bugs says what buffalo was that to the sky that's just how out of sorts he is from this clocking socking that he took Sally says they have to prove that Bugs is framing them and Encyclopedia Brown says that Bugs already proved it so I turn it over to the two of you how did Encyclopedia Brown know that Bugs was lying okay okay so (laughs) Bugs how old is Bugs how old are these people I believe Encyclopedia Brown is 10 and I think Bugs is a year or two older than him. I want to say Encyclopedia Brown is 10, Sally is 11, and Bugs is 12. Something in that regard. Pre-teens is who we're talking about. And Mr. McCann is... A grown adult Love human it. being. He's, he's just watching this <laughs> yeah. whoop up on his boy. Uh, maybe just... he stayed in the garage when they went to the oh, kitchen. Okay. I don't know. but uh, He uh... heard from my... I should go in there. <laughs> uh, it's not my house. <laughs> the adults in this town, not the brightest. Encyclopedia Brown, a fifth grader, I believe, is constantly figuring everything out, and the adults have no idea what's going on, mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Much like my day-to-day when I get shown TikToks, I'm like, wow. Mm. Wow. <laughs> okay. So that's not procrastinating. <laughs> Let's get down to the dirty here. I think mm-hmm. I've got you, Oh, you've got a theory going. Yeah, I can I answer any questions that come about yeah. also. I have no questions. Great. Uh here's my theory. All right. I think bugs having when I took the mental image of the sandwich, mm-hmm. that's when I thought how odd because they were to meet at noon, so they show up at noon 
And the power went out in the whole house or? The power went out in the garage and the kitchen, and he said it had been out for two hours. So theoretically from 10 a.m. to noon, no power in the kitchen. So maybe the sandwich materials would like be, you know, still relatively cold, but you would know as soon as you open your fridge, like, oh, there's the power is out. And then to make a sandwich, like, you would probably flip that back on instead of just, like, chilling and making a sandwich first. Mm -hmm. So that, to me, is how Bugs is... He's not telling the truth. He's making himself a sa- I've never walked in my kitchen with the lights out and be like, you know what? Before I check the circuit breaker, I need to make a sandwich. But what if you're hungry, though? You know what? I didn't factor that. Yeah. yeah. Bugs mean, this is-, is this is 1130 a.m. we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, okay. Maybe he skipped he had breakfast. He skipped breakfast and this is the first meal of the day. Yeah, he could have had a you know a whole work day before this. Okay. Well, that's not the Bugs I profiled. <laughs> okay, great. Inject that in your theory. That's my theory. All right. What about you, Pels? So, okay. The one clarifying question I have Mm -hmm. is regarding the closing the garage door manually that you mentioned. Okay. Is this like a switch on the device? So, in my experience with having to close garage doors when the power goes out from my garages, and by my, I mean my parents, in New Jersey and then Texas, there's a cord that you can pull that takes the garage off of the automated track because the thing that moves is just a thing on a track, not the actual door. It's like a pulley system type thing. So if you pull that, it delatches it, and then you can move it by hand and then lock it. So that does not require power to get it closed if he truly wanted it closed. And Bugs claimed that he just didn't know that that Yes, he said he didn't know how to make it close manually. I mean, quite possible for a 12-year-old. So, okay, the one smoking gun I have here (laughs) is the circuit breaker number six is in the off position. Mm -hmm. And the claim that Bugs made was that, oh, that controls the garage and the kitchen, right? Yes. They proceeded into the kitchen, turned on a light, and the light turned on, meaning that there was power in the kitchen. Yes. I maybe have written this wrong in my notes, but I want to say they flip the switch before they go in. Oh, they flip the yeah. switch before they go in. I, th- I would assume so. Okay. Less of a smoking gun and more <laughs> of an error on my part. Or mine. I, I might have just skipped over that or misread it. So here's my theory. Mr. McCann is up to some nefarious stuff. Wow. Yeah. He's got like a drug den in the back of his, Whoa. in his garage. Okay. So he and Bugs basically teamed up to create this whole situation so that the kids would be thrown off of the scent of his drug den in his garage, which is closed because he doesn't want people walking in. Okay. So, um, it's like breaking bad. One could say, one could say. <laughs> um, and they had the whistle. Bugs had practiced the whistle. Mr. McCann was ready for the whistle, which was the cue. He comes out and calls the parents to basically, you know, make it seem like he's a good guy, right? So that's my theory. Okay. Now, I'm happy to say that, for me, you were basically correct. Oh! I do love the theory. Now, I did give you a bonus point for thinking Mr. McCann was in on it. And in the solution, they do say that Bugs had talked to Mr. McCann saying, hey, we have this thief problem. If I whistle to you, that means come through. So that is at least there. So I give you a bonus point for that. But for me, I give you two points because you were very close. It did have to do with the sandwich stuff. But what it actually was is that the bread was toasted. And there's no way that the bread could have been toasted if the power was out for two hours. But still... I think freshness is to play. That is also what I guess I said. Liverwurst and cheese, that sandwich would be smelling horrible. But I guess 
fridges do retain yes. temperature if they're closed, so that is at least legitimate. But yeah, the toast is the smoking gun, but it was the smoking bread. Oh, the smoking <laughs> bread. I, <laughs> I left the toastedness out of my illustration. Oh. Uh, had I known, if I had caught that one detail. Yeah, it's hard because I wanted to say it, but not emphasize yeah. it too much. And it's on toasted bread. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do that for the next one. Though. Yeah. <laughs> and Bugs sees a green chair. Yeah. Mike's eyes are bulging. <laughs> Every time he says clues. So at the end of round one, the score's tied two to two <gasps> as we get into our next mystery, the case of the masked man. Well, thank God I wore this shirt to get that bonus point. <laughs> <laughs> so Encyclopedia Brown and Sally hear a strange noise. This is a different day, but they hear a strange noise as they walk past Professor Irwin's house. like, this is the longest day <laughs> ever. They're just hopping around. This girl just kicks over his ass. She's like, all right, let's go solve some more <laughs> cases. So they walk past Professor Irvin's house. So they go in and they investigate in case somebody's in trouble. Professor Irwin teaches American history at State University. That is the name of the school, State University. That's where my brother went. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. There was a noise. There was a noise. There They're was... walking by some guy's house. There was a noise. They go inside. Great. They went inside the house? Yeah, to make sure that everybody's okay. The door was unlocked? I guess. What is with this community? Florida, baby. <laughs> different times. Different times, man. Florida and Texas. <laughs> the South, I guess. Yes, the South. So they go in and they hear a stamping noise and they find a woman bound and gagged in a chair in a room with bookshelves all around her. And she does not like it. Not, okay. not, not, <laughs> not that kind okay. of finding. Because oh, yeah. they're walking into people's houses. With, I mean, that's all there for not locking the doors. That's the thing. You know, far be it from these kids to be seeing things they shouldn't be seeing. I mean, I don't want to kink shape. That's all I'm saying. So. And you know what? You're going to get a bonus point for not doing so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so Encyclopedia Brown and Sally free her. And she tells them to call the police because Professor Irvin has been kidnapped and this woman says her name is Mrs. Witten, and she is Professor Irwin's secretary. And she's surrounded by bookshelves? She is surrounded by bookshelves with books. I guess he's a history professor, lots of books, and she's his secretary working in his study. Uh, so it's not like the bookshelves were like pushed around, like, <gasps> no. like she was encased in it. Okay. I think this is all just to set the scene as we go on in this mystery that this guy knows a lot about history. So I excited. think it's just really trying to push so that excited. narrative along. History was my worst subject in school, so this is going to be great. <laughs> same, 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 same. And reading comprehension was my worst subject on the SATs, and now that's all I do for my job. Wow. So, <laughs> you like can, so we can all grow and change. How inspiring. <laughs> You came here for the mysteries, and you you walk away with some gold in your heart, mm -hmm. some gold nuggets from Mike. And then I went to Rice University, like we all did, and paid lots of money to get an engineering degree that yeah. I don't use anymore. <laughs> uh, same, dude. Yay! <laughs> I use my psychology degree every day. The one of us who didn't study engineering is now the engineer. <laughs> <laughs> that is wild. Here we are. So Mrs. Witten then explains what happened. A masked gunman came in 30 minutes ago and forced her to the den where Professor Irwin was at his desk. And as the man was tying her up, Professor Irwin was writing on a piece of paper and said he was making notes for a speech. The masked man grabbed the paper and threw it out, tied the professor's hands behind his back, and told Mrs. Witten that he was holding Professor Irwin hostage and that the ransom is half a million dollars and it must be delivered by tomorrow. Now, this book was written in 1997, so I went to my favorite website, the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics, to calculate the inflation, and that's $931,000 today. Wow. 
big ransom. The book clarifies that Professor Irwin's family is rich, which I didn't think was a necessary clarification, seeing that the ransom was so high. (laughs) But I guess that's why he would be targeted of anyone else in town. So Encyclopedia Brown takes this piece of paper out of the trash and reads it. And here's what the paper says. Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, Jackson, and Grant. So that's Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, Jackson, and Grant. Mrs. Witten says that the kidnapper's voice did sound familiar, so maybe it's someone that Professor Irwin knew. Sally notes that these names are all presidents, but she doesn't understand how Professor Irwin was so calm while his secretary was being tied up. And Encyclopedia Brown says he thinks the names are a code for who the kidnapper is. So they're trying to figure out what could these names be? How do we put this all together? Sally says that all of these presidents were in office when there was a war going on or they fought in a war. But Encyclopedia Brown says Jefferson did not. So that can't be it. Sally asks if Jefferson is the nickname of the mass kidnapper based on their voice. But Mrs. Witten says it's not Jefferson. So this initial theory is out the window, which makes Encyclopedia Brown realize what the list of names is, and that there should be six names on it, but Professor Irwin must have run out of time. And Encyclopedia Brown says, the last name should have been Franklin. So it should read Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, Jackson, Grant, Franklin. Encyclopedia Brown says, the kidnapper's name is one that Professor Irwin would have had time to write, but purposefully left out. So I turn to the two of you. What is the kidnapper's name? Would Wait, have what's the question? <laughs> Encyclopedia Brown knows that it's a code. He okay. knows that the list of names is a list of presidents, and then there's one president's name missing from this list intentionally. And he knows that it wouldn't be the last name, or at least it wouldn't have come after Grant. So we're looking for the name of a president, and in this listing, which goes in order, Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, Jackson, Grant, Franklin, it has to be before Grant. Oh, okay. Wait. So you're saying, I'm glad I have a notepad here. <laughs> I'll share my notes with you because this is this is a real thinker. It's, it it's the thinkierest of them all. So oh, this so episode, here for it. This you is, keep your notes. I don't need them. You don't want them? Okay, great. I don't want them. I'll just ask Mike to repeat. <laughs> yes, this is fine. Over and over. So okay. <laughs> I'm getting major flashbacks to, you know, history, the class that was not my easiest in high school. I also went to an international school, so we didn't study U.S. history. So my knowledge of presidents is maybe not as sharp as it should be. Look who thought, I don't know. I was going to say something effective. You you international students think you're better, but I think it's safe to say y'all's education is better. (laughs) You didn't miss much uh, as far as your sister goes. But if I miss this question as a result, I'm going to be mad. It's okay. You can blame other people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, Jackson, Grant, Franklin would have been the last name. Yes. And you're saying that the kidnapper's name Mm -hmm. would have come before Grant? Yes. What does that even mean? (laughs) These names are in order for a reason. And I guess the only other hint I'll say is that you don't need to know about the histories of these presidents. Okay. So presumably, a president was the kidnapper. Could be. (laughs) At at least a president's last name is the answer. Follow follow, follow that thread, pals. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're hot on the scent of all of the president's names that we very much remember. And it goes, just so I know, Mm -hmm. no notes. It goes Washington, Jefferson, Mm Mm-hmm. Lincoln, mm-hmm. Grant, Jackson before. Damn. 
Lincoln, Jackson, mm-hmm. Grant, Franklin would have been Franklin. Yes, he's also not a president. Franklin is not a president. No. Oh. But he still fits in with this list. Oh. Oh. So I'm going to go back to the other facts that we also know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> American history, State University. He's rich, $933,000, <laughs> almost a million. Could have been a cool mill in present day dollars. So therefore, I mean, I think it's obvious, Mike. Mm-hmm. The answer, Roosevelt. Okay. Okay. Yes. Why? Yeah, wow. I'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like Uh, it. What about you for me? Okay. These are all presidents that are on bills Uh or denominations. Mm -hmm. Oh. So I'm trying to put, like, I know if the order is what it is, Mm -hmm. Washington on the one, Mm -hmm. Jefferson on the five. No. He's not. But he's on the nickel. Wait, is it Washington right? at the penny? No, that's mm-hmm. Lincoln. Lincoln is on the penny. <sighs> oh. Franklin is on the $100 bill. Yes. Uh-huh. So, and then uh, Jackson is on the 20 Uh-huh. And now it's Grant? Harriet Tubman? Is that I right? I think she's on some of them. Yeah, I think she's um, in circulation. But this book was written in 1997. They hadn't done that yet. And then, um, let's see, Grant, a 50? Yes. Um, so it looks like it's like, um, John Adams. <laughs> you guys think presidents are bills? <laughs> I feel uh, like I'm like, oh, I, I can't tell if it's the order of bills. Like, I'm gonna say, okay, I'm gonna say, I can say the order bills. again. Yes. Yeah, the order is Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, Jackson, Grant, Franklin. So, okay, so it's it Lincoln won. on a bill. I don't feel like Lincoln is on a bill. One, I only know I'm on five, a ten, twenty, fifty, a hundred. Okay, so those are the bills that we got here. Are we doing a joint solution? <laughs> I don't looking, mind. We're looking for the two dollar bill. I think. No, it's ninety seven. The two dollar bill was around. Two dollar bills exist, mm-hmm. and we already have the one, the five, the ten, the twenty, the fifty, and the hundred. What one, else is there? Well, okay, wait. Where's Grant? There's not a twenty five dollar bill. No, there's not. Grant's a on the fifty. Grant's on the fifty. Grant's on the fifty. Franklin's on the hundred. Mm-hmm. Jackson is twenty. Lincoln is ten. Five. Oh, oh, so we're missing the ten. Lincoln is a five. Lincoln is five. Jefferson. It's oh, it's Hamilton. 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 <laughs> His name is Alexander <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> and his face is on the ten dollar bill. <laughs> so his name better be the, the kidnapper's th- name. And it is. Hamilton oh. is the name. So oh. I'm giving for me full three points. Adrian, I'm gonna give you a point for assisting Thanks with assist. that, which brings the score six to three. But yes, oh, that was beautiful to witness live. Oh my god. Figuring it all out. Love that. I'm sorry, Rose. Roosevelt. We were close. We were close. <laughs> I think you really, truly need to apologize to Abraham Lincoln because it did take oh, you no. quite a while truly, like, to not, he's not remember on a he's bill. on the $5 He's bill. not on a bill. I haven't seen a $5 bill in a decade. <laughs> I have literally three <laughs> no, of them you in don't. my pocket. No, you don't. I do. No one has fives anymore. I do. I have literally no, no, no. I, I'm one, two, three, <laughs> five dollar bills. Those are fake five dollar bills. Abraham the, Lincoln. the podcast audience know I'm seeing fakes. I'm seeing three real ones. They stopped. People don't want to tell you. They stopped printing $5 bills in 1980, making this story very confusing. 
Oh, man. What a ride. Well, wow. Okay, uh, Mike, you're throwing some real curveballs <laughs> at us today. Like, it's tough. all Encyclopedia Brown and Donald J. Sobel, the author of the series. It's okay. not me. But at the end of two rounds, it is six to three as we go into a break. And then we will continue after the break. We yeah. ads that raise money for charity. Yay. My 200 points is not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, hello, and welcome to the first mid-roll break of Meddling Adults Season 4. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. How could you not be? Adrian and Adrian are two of the most wonderful human beings that I have the pleasure of knowing and the pleasure of calling my friends. We did a whole bunch of improv together in college, lots of goofy times, lots of silly shenanigans, and I'm glad I could bring those goofs and shenanigans to your ears through Meddling Adults. Here in the mid-roll break, we'll talk about stuff related to the show. I'll shout out some other things that I have going on, and then we will hear some ads. Those ads help raise money for charity, and then we'll get back to the rest of the episode. Now, if you want to help in our fundraising efforts, the best way that you can do so is by joining our Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash meddlingadults, there's a couple of different tiers with some rewards. I also put up some bonus content content there from time to time, but most importantly, all of the money from that Patreon contributes towards the Middling Adults Fund, and we raise funds through the Patreon, through one-time donations at paypal.me slash meddlingadults, through merchandise sales and live shows and the advertisements that we'll play in these episodes, and all of that money covers the expenses of making the season, and then all of the proceeds go to charity. Obviously, always trying to raise as much as we can. There will be some different fundraising efforts when we are in between seasons 4A and 4B and after season 4B concludes, but for the time being, the best way that you can help the show is going to patreon.com slash meddlingadults and joining. There's bonus content on there. Every now and then I'll post some clips that didn't find their way into the show. I will be posting episodes early there on the Patreon. I'll be posting ad-free versions of the episodes as well. We put your name on the website. We'll thank you at the end of the season. There's a couple of different perks with a couple of different tiers, but I am so grateful to everyone who does join. Thank you to everyone who has done so at any point in time, anyone who decides they might want to do it in the future, I really appreciate it. If you're interested in other content from me, Mike Schubert, your local independent podcast boy, well, I am happy to report that I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff. We've got the new Olympian, my Percy Jackson podcast. We've got Horse, a comedic basketball podcast. We've got Modern Muckraker, a comedic investigative journalism podcast. We've got Potterless episodes you can still listen to, my Harry Potter podcast. I stream Dungeons and Dragons every other Wednesday afternoon with 20 to midnight. I'm doing live shows in California and Europe in the near future. There's a lot of fun stuff happening if you want to stay tuned with all of the things that I've got going on, you can go to my website, which is shubes, S-E-H-U-B dot E-S, or you can find me on social media. I'm at shubes17, S-E-H-U-B-E-S-1-7 on Twitter and on Instagram. That is all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to Meddling Adults if you haven't already so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Follow us on social media. We're at Meddling Adults on most of the stuff. And now before we get back to the rest of the episode, you will hear some advertisements. Some of the ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that aren't read by me are inserted locally. So if you live in internationally. You might hear them in another language. They might be specifically about whatever city you're in. And if you ever get a weird ad, please send an email to meddlingadults at gmail.com. I'm trying to be very, very careful about what ads get played since this is a show for charity. The ads help us raise money for charity, but I still want the companies that are behind those ads to be good ones. So if anything is weird, please send an email to meddlingadults at gmail.com. Here are the ads. Once they're complete, we'll get back to this episode of Meddling Adults. And we're back, and we are here for our third mystery, which is called The Case of the Racing Reptiles. 
So Encyclopedia Brown and Sally Kimball go to Barry Duncan's house to see his two racing lizards, Erasmus and Erastus. I think there are some sort of old school mythological yes. characters that I don't recall. Let me just Google them. What is Erasmus? Erasmus does sound biblical. He's a, oh, sorry. Erasmus is a Dutch philosopher. Oh, that's what it is. I always confuse my biblical characters for Dutch philosophers. Ah, Erastus is from Corinth. So I guess that's the one that I was thinking of. Okay, yeah, yeah. I get those confused all the time. <laughs> me too, me too. So he's got these are racing lizards. Racing though? lizards, right. Erasmus and Erastus. Barry has been training them for Idaville, Florida's great snake, turtle, and lizard race that happens every year. There's all these fun annual events that happen in Florida, and this is one of them. So Barry is standing in his driveway with Spike Larson, one of the tigers from Bugs Meanies' gang of meanies, and they are all up in each other's faces. Sally goes over to break them up, and Encyclopedia Brown follows. Spike says to Sally, quote, stay out of this, you gumballs. Go somewhere and adopt a pig. Oh, okay. Which I guess... Is that an insult? Uh, maybe in 1997? <laughs> <laughs> now, Barry explains that Spike let his snake, Kid Tiger into Erasmus and Erastus's cage and that the snake ate the lizards. <gasps> Spike says, no way. Barry is lying. Sally asks both boys to explain their sides of the story. So Barry goes first. Barry says that in the morning, he took Erasmus and Erastus outside in their cage and left them in the sun so that they could warm up because the lizards are cold-blooded. The lizards needed to be warmed up before their training workout, which is Barry just yelling at them and blowing on them to run. <laughs> I am not an expert in pets at all, especially not lizards. I have no idea if this is legitimate or not. Having seen lizards, I don't know if racing lizards are a thing, but from my knowledge of lizards, no. Okay. No, it's not. I don't think you yelling at lizards would provoke a response. Maybe that's what the blowing is for. But anyway, that's his side of the story. There is an empty cage in the driveway, and it has shiny metal bars and a small door with a closed lock. Barry found them at the pond two weeks ago, and they were the hardest to catch. So that's how he knew they would be the fastest lizards and that they would be good racers. So two weeks ago, he just got these lizards, and now they are no longer his because he says the snake has eaten them. So Encyclopedia Brown asks Barry if he ever saw Kid Tiger the snake in the cage. And Barry says that he saw it happen 30 minutes ago. Kid Tiger had already eaten Erasmus and was about to finish eating Erastus. But then the snake got away before Barry could catch him. So he says that it was in the cage. He tried to grab it. It slithered out of the cage and he couldn't get it. Sally says that the lizards could have escaped through the cage door and maybe they're still alive and maybe... A different snake was seen, but Barry says that it was definitely Kid Tiger and the cage is always locked. So the snake, he says, slithered in, ate a lizard, slithered out before it could try to eat the second one because Barry saw it happening. But then it got away. So only one lizard was eaten? That's what he's saying, yes. So what is he saying the, uh, happened to the other one? Oh, he says he had eaten Erasmus and was about to finish eating Erastus. So I'm guessing still in his snakeness and is squirming away. Totally. So according to Barry, the snake maybe hadn't fully digested the other lizard, but he had eaten both. And you know how a snake's kind of got him in there. So he did have both inside and then slither out, according to Barry. 
Sally asks Spike where his snake currently is, and Spike says it's at his house. So they all go over to Spike's house, and they go to a large glass tank that has a boa constrictor, a Burmese python, and a bunch of grass snakes. But Kid Tiger is missing. Barry says Kid Tiger must be sleeping in the grass after eating the lizards. And Spike accuses Barry of stealing Kid Tiger so that his lizards would win the race because he was afraid of Kid Tiger, a notoriously fast snake, of winning the race. But Sally says, why would you care? Don't the snakes and lizards not race against each other? And Barry says that there is still a grand prize for the best overall racer, regardless of what category they are in, in the great snake, turtle, and lizard race. Duh. So- Everybody knows that. <laughs> uh, Sally, get with the program. There's a grand prize, not just for the lizards. For the whole thing, overall racer every overall. year, a big ribbon. You I want to see. I want to see the, <laughs> the turtle. I want to see the turtle that can take that home. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A turtle winning, <gasps> never in all the years of the turtle. turtle I mean, this is starting to sound like a Pixar classic. In all the years <laughs> oh. of Idaville, Florida, <laughs> okay. a turtle never won the that. overall grand prize of best racer until one day. <laughs> oh, I would watch that. I would Hell watch yeah, that man. too. You I would got, watch that. The man, sequel, the trilogy with John. John Leguizamo as <laughs> Queen Latifah star. <laughs> and Zendaya. <laughs> she is in everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Encyclopedia Brown knows that one of the boys is lying. So I turn it over to the two of you. Who is lying? Slash how does Encyclopedia Brown know that one of them is full of crap? Oh. So just to like get the obvious out of the way. Sure. I'm... Sure that, yes, maybe the cage is always locked, which is Mm -hmm. impossible because it has to get unlocked for the lizards to get in Mm -hmm. and out. But I assume he means it's mostly locked. Right. For the purposes of this, there's no funny business with the cage. For all intents and purposes, it was locked, it was closed, and according to Barry, the snake slithered in, ate the lizards, slithered out. Yeah, like went away. through the grid, like the snake could get through. Yes. Ow, there's the problem. Huh? If this is a cage that can contain the lizards... And the snake eats the lizards, and the snake gets fat with two big old bulbous bumps. Then how could the snake get out of the cage after eating the lizards? So that is an impossibility. Barry is at fault. I rest my case. All right. Do you have a different guess, or was that what you were thinking? It was not what I was thinking. Okay, I appreciate that. But I did not have a guess, so I will formulate one now. (laughs) I think, what was the guy's name with the snake? Spike is the one who owns Kid Tiger, the snake, and a bunch of other snakes, because of course he's a snake guy. Yes, naturally. His name is Spike. He has to be legally. I think Spike is lying because his name is Spike, (laughs) and he has snakes. And that's not good. Yeah, that's the weird kid. And I and I think I think his snake being missing is odd. And I think that the snake Barry saw is the very same one that is Spike's snake. I would be so disappointed if you won this one. <laughs> well, I'm happy to report. You have won. You are exactly correct. <laughs> That's exactly it. Encyclopedia Brown says, if it ate two lizards, how could it slither out? And mm. it was untrue. And what actually did happen is what Spike said. Surprisingly, one of the tigers not being a bad guy in this story, I was floored. My guess was that Barry was lying because I just don't know a lot about lizards. 
He said that he had to take the lizards out because they're cold-blooded. And my guess was, are lizards actually cold-blooded? They are. <laughs> so I, I thought it was something to note that felt like the weirdest part of the story. So I was like, something's up with the cold-blooded thing here. This is our cold oh, I, I figured they were, but I was like, why would you say that in the story? Like, this is nothing. So even though I felt like they were cold-blooded, I thought that maybe this type of lizard. Anyway, you are 100% correct. That was that whole, like, blowing on the lizard. That was part of the story? Yeah. Blowing on the lizard. That that's the thing with Encyclopedia Brown Mysteries is that there's just enough weird things that happen that either solve the entire mystery or they just really let you know that the kid's cast was purple. And you just keep thinking, like, why is his cast purple? Why did the narrator say that? What is that has to do with something? Like, maybe the villain was colorblind and thought it was blue. But no, I just had a purple cast. Like, anything could be the answer or flavor text. These yeah. books are what's perfect. It, you got kids like, what's in the purple cast? What's in the purple cast? It's just a broken limb. So... That means the score is tied at six to six no as we way. get into the final mystery. Stakes are high. I only oh. have 194 more points to get in this last <laughs> one. All bits. Here we go. So the final case that we will be doing today is called the case of the fake soup can. So Chester Jenkins is known to eat so fast that his knife and fork give off sparks. So I guess he's Joey Chestnut's prodigy. Mm -hmm. His name is Chester, so. <laughs> so Encyclopedia Brown says that Chester is starting a new seven-day diet, and Sally says that she hopes he doesn't finish it all in a day, which... All right, Sally, maybe rein it in here. <laughs> Encyclopedia Brown and Sally go to Chester's to see a soccer game together. They arrive and they see Chester and this other kid in town, Ed Burgess, squaring off. And Sally says that Ed's parents don't like bringing him to restaurants because last time he ordered an entire page's worth of food off of the menu. So these kids love food. I'm assuming they would be the two titans. This is the Kobayashi versus Joey Chestnut of the hot dog eating contest. These are just powerhouses of food consumption here in Idaville, Florida. Now, the food stuff is all relevant because they are having a very interesting argument of saying phrases back and forth. Ed says, milk of human kindness. Chester says, cheese it. Ed says, full of beans. Chester says, cool as a cucumber. And then at this point... Oh, so they're doing improv warm-up. Basically. <laughs> that's why I've chosen this mystery for this episode. When I read this one, I thought, okay, we have to do this They're on one. an indie improv team. They're warming up for the show. And now the three of us will take a break to play Zip Zap. <laughs> so at this point, a kid in town named Roscoe 10, that is 10 with two N's, T-E-N-N. -N. He's also one of the Tigers, because all of the Tigers have to have incredible names. He comes by to stop and listen to Ed and Chester arguing with each other. Roscoe asks Sally, what is happening? And Sally says, I have no idea. Okay, good, because I'm <laughs> on Team Sally. I'm like, what yeah. the hell is going on? It will soon make sense, sort of. Ed says, is anything in your room in apple pie order? Chester says, full of ginger. Ed says, duel with me, and you'll end up in the soup. Chester says, tight as a clam. Ed says, ham actor. And then Roscoe gets bored that all Ed and Chester can talk about is food, so he just leaves and says, all right, I'm going home. Roscoe takes a shortcut, though, behind Chester's house to head home. Chester tells Encyclopedia Brown and Sally that they are having a, quote, food sayings duel. 
So they're trying to see who can keep going one for one. Truly does feel like an improv game we would have played in our short form improv team, Spontaneous Combustion at Rice University. We would have done it in a show. We would have made 200 college kids watch us do that on stage. This is just a food specific. I mean, this is just beastie rap, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's Mm -hmm. except instead of rhyming, you know, we've done category type elimination games. Also, let me clarify that we are not just a short form team. We did both. We did (laughs) short form and long form. Always prefer the long form. But for those families weekends and Prospy weekends and all those ones where you got to bring in the audience, had to do the short form stuff to make the people happy. Begrudgingly. Yeah. (laughs) Begrudgingly do the Oracle. (laughs) (laughs) Begrudgingly get thunderous laughter doing the Oracle. I mean, Joe, but remember, we used to do shows to like crowds of 200 people. Remember doing improv to 200 people? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what happened when you do it at college, in between dinner closing and party starting, and tickets cost zero dollars. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That'll do it. Ah, the good old the days. The good old days. <laughs> yeah. Chester continues, other fish to fry. Ed says she's a peach. Chester says take the cake. Ed says brown is a berry, which that's nothing. Chester says don't flounder. Ed says full of beans. And Chester goes, ah, you have repeated and thus lost the duel. So Chester rattles off several more, just bragging that he could have kept going. He says, good egg, red herring, couch potato, top banana, cut the mustard, pie in the sky. And Ed says, okay, I'm licked. And Chester goes, that's the way the cookie crumbles. And Ed leaves defeated and mutters under his breath, nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Dedication. I do like that a lot of these books are just Donald J. Sobel, the author, and especially this is from the 21st Encyclopedia Brown book. He's just sitting in his study going, I'm going to write as many (laughs) food puns as I can and find a way to shoehorn it into a mystery. So Encyclopedia Brown and Sally follow Chester to his room to get the soccer tickets, the reason they were there in the first place. And Chester takes a can labeled New England Clam Chowder from his shelf. But Chester reveals that it is actually a safe. It is a fake can, just like the title suggested. And he opens it from the bottom, and the tickets are not inside. They are missing. Sally says, okay, don't worry. Who did you tell about the tickets? And Chester says, I told everyone about the tickets. I was very excited. I keep my front door unlocked at all times. (laughs) My garage door's never closed. Closed. <laughs> Sally asks, all right, why was Ed at your house in the first place? And Chester says that Ed's aunt got him a cookbook and Ed wanted Chester to bake a cheesecake from the book. I guess because he's good at eating, he's good at cooking. You know, if you like one aspect of food, you like every aspect of food. Objectively true. Yeah, you know. Encyclopedia Brown notes that it's weird that Ed came over with a cookbook knowing that Chester didn't have enough time to bake an entire cheesecake before this soccer game that he was supposed to go to with Encyclopedia Brown and Sally. And Sally's confused of how Ed could have even stolen the tickets without Chester seeing. Chester agrees, saying that Ed was never in his room and didn't touch the can. Encyclopedia Brown asks who suggested the duel. And we learn that Ed had suggested the duel, and Encyclopedia Brown realizes that Ed had a partner in crime. And that partner in crime was Roscoe, because when he went home and did so via the shortcut through his backyard, he actually snuck into the house and stole the tickets. And Sally's confused because Ed never talked directly to Roscoe when he stopped by. But Encyclopedia Brown says he did indirectly. So how did Encyclopedia Brown know that this was going on? Slash, how did Roscoe know where to get the tickets from? It's a code. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to repeat the things that 
after Roscoe arrived what he heard. So right after Roscoe arrives, he's able to hear, and it starts with Ed, and Chester is the one who has the ticket stolen from him. Ed says, is anything in your room in apple pie order? Chester says, full of ginger. Ed says, duel with me and you'll end up in the soup. Chester says, tight as a clam. Ed says, ham actor. And at that point, Roscoe leaves. So that's just the section of what he heard. You writing that down? I'll say it again just for reference. Mm -hmm. Where it begins of what Roscoe hears is Ed saying, is anything in your room in apple pie order? Chester saying full of ginger. Ed saying duel with me and you'll end up in the soup. Chester saying tight as a clam. Ed saying ham actor. Then Roscoe leaves. Is anything in your room in apple pie order or out of apple pie order? He says in apple pie order. How is that a saying that was acceptable in this game? I could not tell you. Chester should have just called him out right Chester then. Chester should have called him out right then. Like, what are you <laughs> talking so weird about? weird saying, dude. dude. Who's ever said <laughs> is anything in your Ruby apple pie? Have y'all heard that? He should have turned it. Like, have y'all heard this saying? Am I the only one who's never heard of this saying? And everyone's like, no, nah, I mean, we, we dig it. No, yeah. I say that all the time. Everything in my room is an apple pie order. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is anything in here? And then the next one was... Uh, we're dueling in a bowl of soup? Duel with me and you'll end up in the soup. That's another one. Like, Chester really dropped the ball here. Duel with me and you'll end up in the soup. To me, those are both, like, code to Roscoe? Yes, Roscoe. Well, yes. Roscoe 10. First thing is, like, is anything in your room? Right. It's in the room. And then it's, like, duel with me and you'll end up end up in the soup. Clam chatter is a soup. And then ham must be the... Ham. Ham must be the, all right, fuck off. <laughs> Go do what you got to do. Yeah, ham actor is their like equivalent of Morse code stop. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, and when I say ham actor, get, the, get yeah, out of get there. The fuck I will have given you all the clues you need. It'll That's be all two. he said. Also, Chester, you can't accept ham. Is that all he said? Ham? He said ham actor. Ham after? Ham, ham actor. actor like, which ham I actor. think is a That's a thing. thing. That's oh, okay. a, like you, you, okay. when you ham it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we've got some sleuthing to do. Mm-hmm. Is anything in your room in apple pie order? Apple pie is my favorite type of pie. Could it be Roscoe's? (laughs) We need to crack the code. Yes. We need to crack the code. Right. Ed knew that it was in this clam chowder can, which is actually a safe, Mm -hmm. which had the tickets to the game in it. Mm -hmm. And it's not really that much of a safe because you don't need a code or anything. And it's not a secret because everybody knows about the tickets. Yes. And presumably Ed does know where the tickets were. He knew that they were in the can. So he never was in the room, but he was told about it. And Chester literally said, I told everyone where they were, right? Yes. But he didn't tell Roscoe. Didn't tell Roscoe. Roscoe's part of the Tigers. Don't associate with them. Never. One would never. Okay. Is anything in your room, like, I guess the obvious answer there is like, yeah, it's in your room, duh. Duel with me and you'll end up in the soup. I'm assuming there's not other cans of soup in Chester's room. I don't have any cans of soup in my room. So (laughs) if I'm saying in my room and the next thing I say is duel with me and you'll end up in the soup. If I'm Roscoe, I'm like, cool, I'm looking for soup in the room. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) well. It feels like you have both kind of arrived at the same thing, which is the correct answer. Oh, <laughs> that was it. Yes. That was it. it is the thing that made it slightly different. <laughs> the way that Encyclopedia Brown knew that those were the code words is that those are the only ones that were sentences, uh, as opposed to just saying phrase. Ham- exactly, just the phrase of basically full of beans, brown as a berry, 
pie in the sky, etc. So, the, the, so the things that Chester should have called the out. The things that Chester yep. should have been like, man, I don't know if those are phrases. You yeah. know what? I retract this answer. I'm going to say Chester's at fault here. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm going to say Chester's at fault here. Chester, you it deserved that. it. Here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you guys both the full three points. Yeah. The, the game is still tied. And oh because God. it is tied, we're going into our lightning round tiebreaker. Oh, so it sad. is just, you have to buzz in just by, you know, saying buzz. Okay. And it is a riddle. Whoever answers the riddle first will be the winner of this episode of Metal Adults. Is there only one riddle? Yes, it's just whoever gets it right. It's just the one. Oh, okay. snap. Okay. It's like the family feud thing where you have to <laughs> and say whatever. Okay. I love that show. Okay, so here's the riddle. You can buzz in once I finish the riddle. <clears throat> what gets wet while drying? The atmosphere in the room is very tense right now. We can also do a second riddle and edit this okay. out. What? No, okay. no, no. Okay, what, get, what, what gets, gets wet, wet while drying? What gets wet while drying? <gasps> Buzz! Yes. Everything that I take to my laundromat because their dryers are garbage. <laughs> I, I like it, but incorrect. Buzz! Uh-huh. My pussy. <laughs> This could be the first time I'd remove points. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do another riddle. The answer was a towel. Oh, I was going to oh. say that. It gets wet while I was literally like, drying. it can't be a towel. It was a towel. Once it's wet, then it starts to dry. <laughs> but yeah, it is a different oh use of drying. Oh my okay. God. Next lightning round question to determine the winner. What can you hold in your right hand, but never in your left hand? Buzz. Yes. A fucking uh, a right-handed glove. <laughs> okay. Incorrect. Damn. Um... Buzz. Yes. <laughs> uh, the answer is Daily Double. Um, He's stalling. He's stalling. <laughs> stalling. No, I got this. What can you hold in your right hand that you can't in hold your left. in your you left hand? You heard it the first mm-hmm. time. Okay. I'm going to say um, a right-handed computer mouse. Incorrect. The answer is your left hand. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> the third. <laughs> These are blowing my mind, Mike. <laughs> the third. Here we that's go. Adorable. Let's see if this one can work. Okay. I thought it was going to be like dreams. <laughs> what has teeth but cannot bite? Buzz. Yes. A comb. Yes, no! that is correct. Yeah! Oh, wow. yes! I was about to say a shredding machine. What if I said, what if I said my pussy? <laughs> <laughs> then you would have lost points for sure. But that did not happen. You are the victorious victor of this episode um, of Meddling Adults. Adrian Frimpong, you have won 10 to 9. You've earned money for Hearts and Bones. Nice. How does it feel to be the winner? You know, it feels good just to be here with some friends um, and um, earn some bucks for my boys at uh, Hearts and Bones. Amazing. Well, has anyone ever been as bad at the lightning round? I think <laughs> I think we've definitely got to we've certainly gone to multiple riddles before. Okay. I don't know if we've gotten to 3. So maybe you got but hey, you guys scored 10 to 9 like you got pretty much all of the mystery mysteries right. So, you can rest on those laurels and clap. <laughs> All time high All score. Time combined <laughs> score. We're like the turtle in that race. Yes, <laughs> we are the turtle. Pixar movie coming out about you. <laughs> now, Adrian Pellerin, you still fought quite valiantly. It was a very close one, but for me, you just edged it out. But thank you both so much for being on. This was a blast. If people want to find you doing stuff on the internet, live in New York, doing shows and stuff, videos and sketch things that you guys have done, anything you want to plug, let the people know. Yeah, I mean, my Instagram, Adrian Pellerin, it's Adrian with an E is how I spell it, um, has got all my stuff. I make videos and I do improvised musicals. So come check things out.
And uh, my IG Instagram is frimmy.com. That's F-R-I-M-M-Y-D-O-T-C-O-M. I also do improvised musicals. Um, We're going to Scotland literally what? in a week. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, um, that's awesome. It is. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It'll be a good time. And I also host a show at Pete's Candy Store in Brooklyn, the 100% show where half of it is stand-ups doing their prepared five, and then we're going to give them suggestions based on what audience writes in, and then they'll do uh, five made up on the spot. That is really cool. It's a lot of fun. What part of Brooklyn? I should come through. Uh Williamsburg. Oh, that's not bad for me to get. I'm going to come through. Come through. Yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you both so much. This was an absolute blast. Always love doing silly, goofy bits with the two of you. Likewise. And for everyone listening, thank you for listening. And I'm just so glad that we got to have a fun in-person session with two wonderful meddling adults. Yay. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. This is so much fun. This is a Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Meddling Adults. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by me, Mike Schubert. It is also produced and edited by Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Campamanas and Brandon Google. The art is by Maayan Atias and Kelly Schubert. And the web design is by both me and Kelly Schubert. If you want to help out the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash meddlingadults, signing up for a monthly pledge, or you can make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash meddlingadults. All those funds help go towards our winning charities. And if you want to help in a non-monetary way, just talk about the show, whether you reach out to someone that you think would like the show or you post about it on social media those things really help word of mouth helps podcasts a lot and the more people that know about the show the more people will listen and the more money that we can raise for charity all good stuff if you want to find us on social media we're at meddling adults on twitter instagram and facebook we also have a subreddit reddit.com slash r slash meddling adults and if you ever want to learn anything about the show you can go to our website meddlingadults.com. if your podcasting app lets you rate and review stuff that's pretty cool too but most importantly please subscribe to the show so that you don't miss our next episode which will be guest starring sally tamarkin and Carol. Caroline Moss as they solve some Scooby-Doo mysteries. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next Wednesday. Hi, if you're listening to Feed the Q, that means you're a big podcast nerd and you might have a podcast yourself. So you'll want to know about Podfluencer Society, where Angie Griffith shares insights from top industry leaders across podcasting, the creator economy, the entertainment biz, and more, with topics including launching, marketing, monetizing, mindset, and beyond. Angie ventured into building her own brand and business in podcasting in March of 2021 after spending over a decade in the music industry and spearheading the launch of a podcast division at an elite artist management firm. Through her extensive experience in high-level entertainment, she offers a unique and valuable perspective to her audience of podfluencers, a term she coined to describe content creators, reality, television, personalities, and other influencers who are building thriving brands and businesses with their podcast at the center of it. Angie is smart and fun and full of tips that will help you make your podcast shine. She shines, I'm telling you. You're going to love her. Find Podfluencer Society wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks for listening to Feed the Q. We hope you liked what you just heard. Let us know if you did or didn't. And send us your own podcast recommendations to Feed the Q. That's Q-U-E-U-E 
at gmail.com. You can also call Tink's podcast recommendation hotline, which is 1-844-POD-AT-ME. And that's 1-844-763-2863. You'll hear a new podcast recommendation every day, and you can leave your own podcast recommendation at the beep. But don't worry, nobody will ever answer the call. We'll listen to your recommendations and consider them for future episodes of Feed the Q. And you can find me at tinkmedia.co or on Twitter at Lauren Passell. And you can find me and more about Podcast Brunch Club at podcastbrunchclub.com or at Podcast Brunch on all of the socials. And look for information about the show you just heard and ways to get in touch with us in the show notes. And that's a wrap. See you when we see you.